Captain Picard, as you know, each year Starfleet only takes a single new student. Well, guess what happened? Hello and welcome to Reengage, the <laughs> weekly podcast where we watch and discuss episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation. Our cultural bridge officers dissect each episode as well as the pop culture and world events that took place when it first aired. We're a bunch of adults returning to the series we loved as kids to see how it holds up. So get hydrated and let's re-engage. Welcome everyone <laughs> to this re-engage, uh, our Star Trek The Next Generation podcast. This time we're talking about Final Mission. Very excited. Before we get into the episode itself, let's say hello to our cultural bridge officers. Greg Tito, hello to you, sir. How are you? Doing good. How are you doing, Kate? I'm excited to drink some alcohol during this and then use it for medical supplies later. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Jimmy G, how are you? I am doing very well, Kate. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about saying goodbye to Wesley Crusher. Yes, <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> and Eric Curry joining us all the way from Germany. Um, how are you, friend? I'm doing very well. Hello, my friends. I miss you guys. Uh, I can't wait to talk about this, but I want to do a quick content warning to my friends who might be grieving anything because this is another one of those family episodes with lots of the idea of loss. So take that. Indeed, indeed. This is uh, an episode that hit me harder this second time uh, than it did the first time I saw it. That is for sure. Uh, Stardrate 44307.3 we are at with an air date of November 19th, 1990. Greg, what was happening in the world? So much uh, in the sports world as well as in history. I'll go through them real quick. On November 18th, the day before this aired, Andre Agassi claimed his first and only season-ending uh, Tennis World Tour championship title, uh, defeating Stefan Edberg in Frankfurt mm -hmm. in Germany. Yay. That's where I am. Good for Andre. Um, November 17th, David Crosby broke his leg, ankle, and shoulder in a motorcycle accident in L.A. Uh, perhaps well high, but we can't. Confirm who, who knows, Greg? Who who knows? Could be anything. Um, and then November 20th, the day after this aired, no one's friend, uh, uh, Margaret Thatcher, uh, failed to defeat a bid for her leadership of the Conservative Party in England, in the United Kingdom, and she ended up resigning next week uh, in this timeline. So goodbye, Iron Lady. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then a few other things in the escalation to full-on war in Iraq. Uh, Saddam Hussein on November 20th said he would uh, release some German hostages. So we got, we got a lot of Germany things happening uh, in this here update. As well, the Soviet Union uh, is showing a little bit of reluctance in wanting to get in on the coalition against Saddam Hussein. And so uh, just a few... You know, signposts along the road here that things are uh, escalating towards a actual huge conflict. Uh, but that's all that was going on in world history. Well, let's talk about what was happening in pop culture history, shall we? Yes. Love Takes Time by Mariah Carey was still number one. Uh, but on the other spectrum, in terms of things we celebrate in music, things that we don't celebrate in music, Ooh. pop group Millie Vanilli was stripped of their Grammy Award because the duo did not sing uh. at all 
on Girl You the Girl You Know It's True album, Session oh. Musicians had provided the vocals. Do you remember yes. that? Yes. Also from Germany. Also from Germany. Do you remember the, the press conference they held that was so embarrassing where one of them stood up and tried to prove that he can sing? Yeah. Oh. Yes. Oh, yes, I was I, I just that third oh that cringe you feel on their behalf at that point. A lot of uh I was looking at this last week and the the way this story broke was that they did a concert at Lake Compounds in Connecticut which was a uh uh like a small-time amusement park that also Amazing. doubled as a concert venue uh and their lip-sync track skipped. <gasps> oh. And downtown Julie Brown was like you got to go back on stage, you got to go back on stage. So they went back on stage and nobody really seemed to notice in the audience. They noticed cuz they like ran off. Uh, and then things continued, but that it was the crack in the wow. armor that started the chain of events that led to the to the to the announcement. So yay for Connecticut! I know my wife uh, grew up near Lake Compounds, uh, so she's always like, "Oh my God, I can't believe that!" Amazing. <laughs> uh, in the cinema world, Ooh. Home Alone was the number one movie and will be so for many weeks. <laughs> Greg is doing the perfect imitation of the Home Alone hands-on face. Uh, and the theater world, Shogun the Musical opened. Hell yeah. And on tel- on television, the miniseries of Stephen King's It broadcast on ABC, Ooh, making Ritter. us terrified of red balloons and... Yes. <laughs> Not terrified of what Tim did you Reed. Say? <laughs> he just said John Ritter, so I said Tim Reed. We're all just going to name people. <laughs> uh, just Let's just name people. <laughs> And Walter Mondale. <laughs> was he in it? I'd watch that. Dude. No, I, I just it. was naming people. <laughs> in West Seattle, weirdly enough, I just saw someone drive past me with a Mondale Guerrero bumper sticker on their car. Excuse me? Wow. A Mondale who? I was like, Feraldine uh, Guerrero. Right? <laughs> Geraldine Ferraro. What did I say? You twice I said Feraldine Guerrero. <laughs> Pronunciation, please. Pull over. No, I just think it's much better. Uh, Uh, Speaking of pronunciation, police, (laughs) this was written by Casey Arnold Inse? Inse? Inse. Not (laughs) sure how to pronounce the last name. And Jerry Taylor, uh, directed by Corey Allen. Which I'm sure is like a Lyon or something like that. Uh, Jimmy, what was happening behind the scenes? Uh, well, I got a handful of them, Kate. I so uh, sit down and get comfortable here. <laughs> uh, first off, we learned in this episode that Wesley only gets into Starfleet as an alternate. That's right. Which is great for my ears. Uh, <laughs> Wheaton has asserted. <laughs> Wheaton has asserted that Wesley only saved the ship one and a half times and had a hand in contributing to the solution of a problem two times which is four times not true <laughs> uh, el mirage zero is <laughs> el mirage dry lake bed was used as the desert planet oh. scenes um and originally they were going uh the planet was supposed to be a uh, ice hellscape but they thought that might be too hokey so uh they went to the desert I love a good hokey hellscape yeah me too 
Uh, and this was a big episode with nods uh, toward continuity. For example, uh, Durgo's use of the term old model phasers is from Star Trek III. Uh, the mention of the shuttle's duranium hull is from a matter of perspective. Um, the use of Hyronian, Hyronalin, Hyronalin, <laughs> the uh, alcohol that is suggested to be better for a coolant, um, that actually came up in 1968's TOS episode, The Deadly Years. And in that episode, it was used as a treatment for radiation sickness. Um, and then Picard himself drops two continuity nods, one to the past and one to the future. Uh, the one to the past, um, if you remember, he's singing a little French ditty. That's the exact same song that he and Renee were singing when they got drunk in the episode Family nice. just a few episodes back. Uh, and he mentions um, the gardener at the Academy, who Wesley should look up when he gets there. We will meet the gardener next season in season five so uh big episode for keeping the continuity going so go ahead and kick rocks nerd <laughs> Thank that's you. all there is from the nemesis file <laughs> eric tell us about guest stars of Nope. oh no what timing you just froze but i'll assume you asked me to tell you about the people who <laughs> were featured as cast members in this particular episode. And I have two I want to focus on. Of course, we have Nick Tate as Durgo, who we'll get to after we talk about the great Kim Hamilton as Sangi. Um, she is in everything you've ever seen, first of all. I just want to point that out real quick. Um, both of our guest stars today uh, have at least, you know, let me just name off a few here. You start with All in the Family, where she was the first uh, Mrs. Willis from the Jeffersons, but she was unfortunately replaced during the spinoff, uh, uh, you know, Roxy. Um, it's really a freaking shame, uh, although she was fantastic too. So what am I talking about? What a career. All right, you move on from there. You got things like Kojak, Mannix, all the genre shit, Adam, 12, Police Story, Mod Squad, all the way back to the, uh, to the early, or uh, to the 50s, when you got things like The Amos and Andy Show, General Electric Theater, The Thin Man TV series. She plays the mother of that six-year-old in the Twilight Zone episode, uh, The Big Tall Wish, which is one of my favorites. It's the boxing episode. I'm, I'm a real freaking sucker for... Um, boxing in movies and TV and film. I just can't get enough. Uh, so from there, you have other great shit, like she was the only black actor featured on Leave It to Beaver. Um, she was in To Kill a Mockingbird as Helen Robinson, which is a pivotal moment in the in the story, if you uh, have a chance to go back and look for her in that. She's wonderful. Uh, she's in Shaft as Marsha. Uh, really and truly everything you could name. Sanford and Sunny, Emergency, Good Times, Marcus Welby, MD, all the way through to where we have her after she's done Gimme a Break, Designing Women, uh, and before she does things like uh, recurring on In the Heat of the Night, Law and Order, and the last uh, credit before she unfortunately passed away was Private Practice in 2008. Um Really a terrific career, and you've at least heard her voice, if not seen her, in the various things uh, that uh, I mentioned. And go look at, she has, you know, several hundred, not several hundred credits, 110 credits. Uh, then we go to Nick Tate as Durgo, who was also extraordinarily uh, 
uh, active until right now, where he is a lead in The Strange Chores. He is Australian by birth, and he works there a ton, including voicing the mystic in the recent uh, Mad Max video game. But he's in tons of things that we've seen, uh, too, as United States TV watchers, The Blacklist, Rake, um, Killer Elite, The Pacific. Uh, so a lot of miniseries as... Uh, oh, hello, kitty cat. Uh, as <laughs> <laughs> the military men and things like that. If you remember the terrific uh, Space uh, 1999, he played uh, one of the leads in that. was in all 40 or 42, I believe, of the 48 episodes. Um, FX, the TV series, Murder, She Wrote, The President's Guild, Star Trek, The Next Generation, of course, Open House. He was one of those leads, if you go back and watch that terrific uh, Australian TV show. Um, he was on Holiday Island, which is another one. Uh, Australian, uh, he had uh, credits throughout going back and forth between here and there. And in this particular episode, I'm a huge fan. So let's get to it. Fantastic. Yeah. So the episode starts proper where we find out that the ship is leaving uh, on its way to mediate a fight between minors, uh, not young people, um, but actually people who m mine the earth for things. They're called uh, mines. Wesley comes on. <laughs> yes, Wesley came, comes on to the bridge and he is all winded and shit and he's <laughs> 10 minutes late. And he was doing an experiment with some chemicals. But you guys, it turns out he's not in trouble. It's the old uh, Picard switcheroo one-two punch. I'm very disappointed in you. Ah, oh, I'm just kidding. Uh, because he's going to Starfleet. I know, right? I love it. We find out the one person who was chosen to go to Starfleet uh, had to quit mid-semester. So now Wesley gets to join Starfleet as their canonically chosen one person per year <laughs> who gets to. It's canon. I believed it. I thought Picard was really going to yell at him. I thought it was uh, full of anger and bluster until the Academy is dropped. And I, I, I loved, I loved going along with that ride with, with poor Wesley. <laughs> he sure is winded when he gets there. Y'all. Oh, he's a, he's a teen Finds guys. It. He's got some teen problems. Very difficult to catch his breath. <laughs> Uh, Picard will take Wesley with him on his mission so that Wesley can see what happens on the ground. Uh, suddenly there's a distress, distress call from a very cool looking alien, Chairman Sanji or Sangi of Gamalian 5. What do we think of this alien when uh, first introduced to us uh, with those wonderful sort of strips over the mouth? Um, what, what do we think? I thought for sure, like, I'd love to own a straw business. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Indeed. she needed to blow her nose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Once I got that, I was like, oh, it kind of looks like, oh, I couldn't, I couldn't shake it for the rest of the, anytime she showed up, I was like, oh, just wipe it away or something. Someone should tell her. <laughs> I wonder if it was hard on the actress, like. I'm sure she couldn't open her mouth too wide. Oh, yeah. It kind of dictated how she talked as the, for the character. Yeah. Um, and you know, in the early 90s, they were feeding her slim fast in between takes <laughs> with that straw, right? <laughs> well, I thought her performance was really nice. Kim Hamilton we're talking about. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just clear mask work. Like when you cannot even really move your mouth, uh, all you have is your eyes and, and your posture. 
And she did such a fantastic job, I thought, uh, making me give a shit yeah. and uh, making me believe that everyone was responding to her and not just the, the uh, situation. You know, she had a, a force behind what she did, which was nice. Indeed. And that situation is that a ship is in the atmosphere of Gamelon 5 and is causing radiation problems and the ship won't respond. So the Enterprise decides that it will go off to meet uh, this ship and see what they can do. And the captain and Wesley will go on to the negotiations. When they reach Saddle Bay, they meet a gruff looking man named Durgo. And we have the first of, uh, well, I guess, I guess Wesley has some interesting outbursts during this um, right. episode. I guess the first one is when he's like, I'm sorry I'm late, right? He, he definitely gets uh, very, but he has this aside to Jordy when he's like, oh, Captain. That's <laughs> well, yes, what he is. <laughs> it's not an aside because he's, it's, it, the guy's in earshot. He hears everything that Wesley says. And by the way, making fun of a captain who's the captain of nobody is hardly any different than being an acting ensign. Like, both of them are make-believe, right? But he's not an acting ensign anymore. That's the problem with Wesley. He oh, got that fucking true. battlefield commission. He's going to be insufferable <laughs> at Starfleet Academy. You're right. Oh, what a dick. I was confused as <laughs> the setup as why they had this foreign shuttlecraft on board, but I guess it has to do with the mining... Uh, dispute that's going on like he might he might have been the person who brought it to them or something like that right because he was he was transporting stuff for the miners right they sent Otherwise, a car why, why is he there <laughs> he's there for plot <laughs> reasons greg don't question it too he, much i know <laughs> there's a lot of those in this episode yeah well uh he tells wesley basically suck it it's a good ship it does me proud and off they go. Uh, he, on the way into the ship, says something like, well, your captain better be tougher than he looks or they're going to eat him alive. Something that will come back to haunt him later in the episode. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, Wesley has, helps out and immediately the ship is in trouble. Which is just <laughs> terrible. Like the moment Wesley touches the comm, like everything goes to shit. Uh, the ship loses all power and starts to spin towards the planet. Credits. Then we have a very long post-credit scene of them trying to fix this ship. Picard comes in, and there's a lot of trekno babble as they look for a safe place to land. Uh, I don't know. It just felt like a particularly protracted scene of the three of these folks trying to figure out what was going on. Uh, but they find a moon that is barely class M, and they have no choice but to try. What do we think of this scene as they are very slowly crash landing onto a planet? It's a it's a perfectly functional way to get them to their bottle for the episode. Yeah, I, I it was a little bit trying to be like, oh, how who's going to take charge when, and and is this mm. this guy going to be a problem going forward? I kind of got all of those uh, notes here uh, before it ends up being exacerbated later. Uh, yeah. but I agree with you that it was a little bit like, just guys, you're the thing's going down. We it's. Be a little bit more urgent. <laughs> yeah. Finally, they crash and they are on a desert uh, planet, or at least on the desert portion of this uh, moon that they are on. Uh, Picard says the shuttle will act like an oven, so they have to find a way to protect themselves from the food. There's no food, 
you know, water. Picard is pissed about the water. Yeah. I thought I, I it's I only want to say this because it made me laugh out loud when I was watching this. But I thought uh, he's like, we got to find shelter. That's our first thing we can do. I was like, oh, well, the shelter is the shuttle. The shuttle's right there, dude. Right. And then he's like, the shuttle will act like an oven. I'm like, oh, right. Duh. That's why you're captain, not me. It was like immediately answered almost like as if I was talking to, to Picard and then he answered me. And uh, then on his my other shoulder was Wesley. And he's like, you look so cute. <laughs> <laughs> Well, back on board the Enterprise, they show up and they scan the vessel. It is unmanned and the radiation is off the charts. Are you telling me that they scanned the the nuclear vessel? (laughs) 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 Well played. Yes, they did. Yes, it is a it is a nuclear uh, nuclear garbage vessel. Wessel and uh, Wessel. And Riker wants to take the ship to the sun by pushing it. But there is an asteroid field in between. And while they're sort of trying to manage this, they get the message that the shuttle never made it to the miners. And they decide very quickly uh, to continue on the journey that they are on with this radioactive ship. And they will deal with the shuttle later. I had one thing about the garbage scow. Yeah. Was like, man, I thought they missed a chance to make this about environmentalism, <laughs> right? It was like, it was so close to being there. Maybe the point doesn't need to be made, but like, what if this was like an earth vessel that we had like just launched out, you know, 300 years ago and then it's fine. Like, so it's like part of like our responsibility for, for doing it. And that might've informed some of Riker's uh, need to to do something about this garbage scout right away because mm. otherwise I'm not like why why is these priorities well, different? Well, didn't he say it was a couple hundred years old? Jordy, I think it but, had been. But they don't know what the origin years. was. They didn't know like who right. who sent it out. They're just saying somebody did. And I was like, oh, wouldn't it right. be interesting if it was a Federation planet that uh, or or Earth itself that did something? I can imagine you know the turn of the century, uh, the tw- turn of the 21st century humans doing something like that, being like, oh, we have all this. Uh, uh, debris left over from nuclear reactors. We don't know what to do with it. Let's just send it out into space and let someone else deal with it later on. I just thought there was a there, there was something to that that I, I yeah. think they missed. There's an excellent Futurama about that very uh, issue. Oh. <laughs> There's also Perhaps Superman 4, The Quest for Peace. <laughs> that is how you get evil Superman made of the sun. <laughs> yes. Well, back on the moon, Picard is making an arrow out of the debris um, so that it can point towards the mountains because that's the where they will go. And then Durgo immediately gets hurt about him being the captain and I'm in charge. And then Wesley has a third sort of <laughs> meltdown. And I'm going to say that these are sort of... Um, well, okay, I want to say that they're uncharacteristic of Wesley, but they're not. Uh, you know, like, there are times in his journey as a character where he has these definite teenager moments, and this is one of them, which is absolutely like, if you want to stay alive, you better listen to Captain Picard. <laughs> yes. I wonder if uh, Will Wheaton pissed off the writers, and they were going out of their way to make a one last push to let's hate will Riker or uh um wesley crusher because those lines are just ridiculous um my dad's the coach for the last character yeah i mean this is his last episode if this was 
episode, his fourth episode, and then we can see an arc of how he grows out of that. But for, you know, a guy who's been on there for a while and he's saying goodbye and leaving the show, like, they didn't go out of their way to make him likable until the end. Yeah, which interestingly, you know, I will say that I think that they do give him that that turnaround in the middle, you know, by the end of this episode right. where we get to see some sort of growth. Um, it's, uh, I was reading about this episode that they were actually trying to be careful in how they crafted this episode because it was by the request of Will Wheaton who knew he wanted to leave the series to go see what else he could explore. Um, and they knew how poorly they had done with Tasha leaving. And so they were trying to be a little bit more careful about the way they crafted this one. Whether or not they were successful, that's a right. debate. I did I, I took his this outburst in particular really was just loyalty uh, yeah. to me. Like I didn't think the I didn't think it was wrong or misplaced. I, I probably would have done something similar uh, as well because this dude is clearly this captain that he was already kind of dismissive of uh, doesn't have what it takes to survive. And I would have been like, listen to this, listen to Picard. He's literally saved the universe from from robot aliens. Like, come on. That's true, Greg. But up until this episode, there's been nothing that suggested he did that Durgo didn't know what to do. Like he totally redid the ship so that it was more efficient, even though it's his only and his then it words. Broke. It broke, but we don't know why. Because Wesley Enterprise touched it. There's nothing about what the cap or what he did that character to suggest that uh, the the Wesley Crusher character was justified in any of his reproaches. Jimmy, if I may. Uh, yes, of course. It was pure odor. <laughs> He just smells bad. And we can't tell. Mm. We can't tell. We don't know that yes. yet. Right. Can't trust that guy. Well, we're we're about to get a, a lovely little audience uh, bit of irony where we know something that nobody else knows. Right. Which is, of course, as they walk away, Durgo sneakily pulls out a bottle of something that looks like water and begins to drink. Dear God, what is happening? We will find out. This shot, that, and, and again, I think the cinematography on all of these desert scenes mm -hmm. was really great. I love that yeah. they kind of washed it all in this yellow, orangish uh, filter, and it felt very different and real and, and almost like a movie, much more than most of the TV. Even the outs, outdoor scenes in other Star Trek Next Generation episodes look like crap compared to how good this episode looks. But that scene, that shot of, of, of him, uh, of Durgo taking that swig and looking around for some reason is one of the, those memories that has stayed with me since mm. I saw this episode in 1990. I don't know why, but I w will always remember that. And then realizing that like, Oh, he's drinking water. What a jerk. And then the, the, the revelation later of what something up and the music too. Great. Instead, the score is great. You just can't trust a drunk is what they're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and he smelled it Ugh. well after our commercial break we find a cavern that has natural stairs and everything yeah dude so good what was that about <laughs> volcanoes form stairs everyone knows that everybody knows that and his bottle falls out Wesley is pissed turns out as we all know now it is alcohol uh, and Picard takes it away as medical supplies yeah and he and says off. it's actually making your thirst worse right like what you're doing 
is giving you a hangover before you have a hangover, you jerk. Ask anyone who goes on a cruise. Exactly. <laughs> an all-inclusive cruise or an all-inclusive resort. <laughs> uh, back above the planet uh, where they are, where the Enterprise is, Beverly is giving a medical briefing. Uh, Troy comes in and sort of interrupts the end of that briefing, which I think is sort of rude. And, uh, <laughs> she couldn't sense that, though. She couldn't sense it. Was she couldn't rude. sense it. And Troy has come to tell her that the closest rescue ship to where the shuttle was last seen is over a week away. And she's trying to kind of feel out how Beverly's doing. And, and Crusher's not having it from Troy. Like, she doesn't want the sympathy or the empathy or the, the moment of knowing like she just needs to get to work and, and move on. There are things about this yeah. series that just lend themselves to such comedy. And the fact that Troy is so comedically bad at her job is <laughs> just a recurring fascination for me. <laughs> If only they had done like some some weird stretching together, then they could have a heart to heart. Oh, we haven't had stretching in so long. It's been a, it's been a minute. Oh man! My toes. So they try to move the barge with uh, thrusters that they have attached to it, but one of the thrusters flies away, and so Riker gets them in front of the barge and begins to tow it. The radiation levels begin to go up, and he says, "Tell the mining." community we are not going to join the search anytime soon okay i've got at least two plot holes with this yeah <laughs> they're just all over this only mm -hmm. two go on oh i'm perhaps more but one is you got a ship that can go into two places at once correct like, literally it's part of why the ship is made the way it is to have one tow it away have the other go search for picard easy peasy two once the immediate danger of the uh, scow being far enough away from the planet, yep. just leave it in space. Yep. Go back and do it later after you've found where your, your Picard is. I don't know why they need to complete the entire mission of trying to yep. throw it into the sun in time. That's not a... Th 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 yeah. yeah. Yeah, just put a crybaby on it and go away. Not, not, <laughs> to mention, not to mention that they came into the planet without going through the asteroid belt. So there's a way to take that thing out, not through an asteroid <laughs> belt. So like... How, right, how right. dare you? Can't you go over it? <laughs> it's, it's space. three dimensions in space. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and the asteroid belt, as we saw, was like, it took oh. them two seconds to get through it. So well, it wasn't that big. Look at there. It's, belt. it's an open corridor is basically <laughs> what it is. <laughs> and Riker gives up really quickly, right? The, the thruster thing doesn't work in within one second. He's like, you had your chance. Now we're going to cowboy it. Hmm. Yeah putting the the lives of everyone at risk well back on the moon they have found a uh, fountain can i one, oh, yeah? one, can i interject real quick kate uh greg um about the saucers splitting up mm. that obviously can only be done for season finales <laughs> uh, and, uh, for a episode, so. honestly my brain I, I went as far as i could because i was like <laughs> is the tractor beam only on one of them and so they had to have the full ship together and i think it's only impulse power for the saucer oh, section so they wouldn't have been able to warp <laughs> and use the tractor beam i did try to go down the, the kick rocks road. nerd <laughs> <laughs> no that will only make your thirst worse 
Well, speaking of unusual <laughs> formations, uh, like stairs in caverns, um, there is a beautiful fountain in the middle of the cavern that they find on the moon. And it is protected by a force field. So what do we do to a force field, everyone? Pee on it. We shoot the shit out of it. It's our time down here. <laughs> Throw coins at it. Yeah, right. Like make it all goonies. Ooh, wishing well. Terrence uh, and Darby. Durgo immediately is just shooting up the place. Um oh my gosh, you just dropped a Terrence Darby. Sorry, Darby. Darby. Apostrophe. He didn't sing. He didn't sing on any of his albums. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, this weird it sort of energy surge shows up and starts whipping around the cavern and it hits some rocks, I guess. <laughs> and Wesley is just about to be crushed by the rocks, but Picard pushes him out of the way and he gets hard uh, or he gets hit hard, <laughs> right? He gets hard. He gets hard <laughs> <laughs> He's always been excited by danger and life-threatening rock avalanche. <laughs> But that is such a classic. Look, no, I'm going to push you out of the way of the bus and let me get hit by You're the supposed bus. to go oh, with them. Remember, yeah. kids, go with them. You're not a Newton's cradle. Oh, you have arms. But, you know, I thought it, it was it was ridiculous how what happened in the end, but it was very dramatic. The music, again, was fantastic mm -hmm. uh, with the drama. I think they could have saved the the scene if they just didn't end it with a cut of Picard looking up <laughs> because the time it takes to look up is the time he could have dodged out of the way. <laughs> so it just made it look like he was, I don't Waiting know. Like, for it. Yeah. He, he was sacrificing himself or being a martyr. Like just show us him being hit and not the, the, the shot of him looking up at it falling down on him. I uh, did Cause up like until that, that point, it was kind of cool. I did like that. He was like, Wesley, like he did like a bit of a, a, right. a yell for his, his young protege right. in here. I've never shown you affection until this last episode. I'm going to get all in now. <laughs> well, the next moment they're trying to uh, give him some of that alcohol and Durgo flat out is like, he's going to die. <laughs> Just give me the alcohol. <laughs> And Picard says, don't bury me before I'm gone, which is always, if you hear that <laughs> sentence, you've gone too far in whatever you've been doing uh, the moment before. Very misunderstanding. Uh, Durgo leaves and Picard tells Wesley, like, this is going to get bad and you're going to have to stand up to Durgo by yourself. On the Enterprise, they are continuing to move that damn barge pumping chemicals through the ship's air vents to counteract the radiation, uh, which is fancy, but they need to go faster. But what happens when you go faster? You lose stability, right? So they lose the bar barge. Techno babble or techno babble <laughs> from Jordy. Is it a large barge? It is a large barge. <laughs> Tell them large barge sent you. <laughs> <laughs> And that lethal exposure will happen in 45 minutes. <laughs> Which again, if they're pushing... Okay, I'm not smart. 
but I know a few things. <laughs> yes. That if you're pushing something in space and you sort of stop pushing it, won't it just keep the thing keep that you're going? pushing yes. Inertia. Going the direction of In the- fact, that's what they eventually <laughs> fucking do, which is even better. <laughs> Right? Isn't it infinite inertia in space since there's right, no resistance? There's no friction. <laughs> yeah. So, that, that's what they need. Yeah, that's that what a, they need the uh, asteroid belt for. And maybe that's why they started hiring uh, people with science degrees to advise <laughs> <them> <laughs> on how the actual science works. Shout out to Dr. Aaron McDonald. Um, but I, I, the other thing is, the, the Enterprise is really big, right? Like it's, it's. It's actually sorry, a miniature. It's, okay. it's actually a miniature, Greg. It's a, sorry, it's a miniature <laughs> ship. Um, and the thing is behind it. So like that, that barge needs to be like super radioactive. Like that needs to be like, like hundred times more radioactive than Chernobyl. Everyone saw Chernobyl, right? Like there were people walking around. You didn't die from lethal exposure. You, you might have been poisoned, and will die thirty years from now. But like the lethal exposure thing is really you had to be like fairly close to it, right? Like. Like Spock close. Spock I am close. your friend, Jim, close. Right. Well, there are levels of radioactivity. I mean, I guess it just had tons of, of uranium sticks on there. Uh, so, yeah, maybe maybe it was. But that just... The scale uh, far be it for me to defend the plot holes of this particular episode. I don't mean right. to <laughs> cast myself in that place. Well, back on the moon, they find that the phaser that Durgo had been using is all wrapped up in fibers. That's kind of fun. Like, yeah, it was kind of like silly string. (laughs) And Wesley has figured out that the wave pattern uh, gets stronger when they move towards the fountain. So Durgo is immediately like, I'm going to shoot him. Because that works so well the first time. You know what? <laughs> Don't shoot it. Dog shoot it. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Don't. <laughs> but so, if I turn it down lower, the setting, everything will be fine. And Wesley is, yeah, he, he makes a good point. He's like, there's no evidence that would say that right. makes any difference right. whatsoever. Uh, but he only has half of a good idea. He's like, Wesley, why don't you put your gun down? And set it to phase, but I'm gonna hold mine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Dude ain't smart. Which uh, no one could have foreseen would lead to <laughs> the guy ending up all in fibers. Poor Durgo. Bar- we knew him well. Barbarella yeah, ass looking string fight. Barbarella ass looking effect. It was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it does not look good. It looks like polyurethane got poured on him. Yeah. Back on the Enterprise, they are doing a Hail Mary with one minute left. Uh, by the time they get to the asteroid, they have 15 seconds. And again, uh. it's just a wide open corridor with some <laughs> right. some rocks on the periphery <laughs> to get the Schwing Fei really, like, <laughs> really good. Schwing Fei. That's coming Fei very really well good. for everyone. <laughs> Woo, woo, woo! Pull over. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, But yeah, they're able to push the barge into the sun using the thing that they could have used the entire time uh, inertia. Yes. What are you going to do? And Uh, getting 
within one second of critical uh, exposure. And and right. it doesn't <laughs> like so that means they right. have like one more second to be radioactive for the next several years of their lives. Like it doesn't go away that that tissue no. damage. You don't like heal right. it like you do a scab. <laughs> that shit's in you, right? But that, right, Eric. Which means they're already dead, right? Because of the other times where they've gotten that close, <laughs> right? They've already used up their buffer. Yeah. It's... You, all you got to do is wait for the cancer now. Uh, back on the moon, Picard is cold. And Wesley uses, uh, which phaser setting is it, Jimmy, in order to heat up rocks? <laughs> it's, it's heat up rocks. Yeah. <laughs> heat rocks. We've seen this one. This is a new. Yes, we've seen so, this one. I was just excited. Did we know the older model could do it? Did we know the older model could do it? We did not know that. That's a good catch. That that's Well, now we know it's a confirmed. This has been a long-standing phaser setting, which was important enough. It happened enough in the Federation that they carried it over to the newer models. Yes. <laughs> Campfire setting. I love it. Uh, well, Picard finds out that Durgo is dead, and he immediately blacks out. I don't know, from shock, grief. Relief. <laughs> surprise. Relief, whatever it is. <laughs> And Wesley talks to him, and this is where the the episode starts to shift for me in terms of, you know, did did Wesley or did Will Wheaton make the writers angry? Well, if he did, he made it up to them enough that they wrote this next section, which is uh, a really beautiful remembering, first of all, about that first shuttle trip that they took together, which we had a, a, a wonderful episode about and how Picard opened up to him. Picard apologizes for bringing him and saying he selfishly wanted to hang out with him one last time. Uh, mm. There's some just really beautiful moments where Wesley says, in the last three years, I've lived more than most people live in a lifetime, which was really mm. lovely. And then he confesses that all the things he's ever worked for, it's because he wanted Picard to be proud of him. Oof. Oof, right it's yeah. like all of a sudden this you know sort of like oh my gosh Durgo stop shooting at the fucking fountain turns into this nice little gut punch of a oh this is a really beautiful scene agreed yeah it felt uh, very different watching it as a 10 year old to you know now uh, 44 years old having kids and being like oh yeah especially the end moment where Picard turns and says uh, I've always been proud of you like he'd heard the whole yeah. The whole speech, even though we think he's blacked out, he was listening and paying attention. And that even just got me uh, teared up. Yeah, I was ready to throw away the whole episode when they wasted it on Picard, who doesn't die. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. and then when he turned and said, I was always proud of you. Like, that to me was then just like, okay, fuck it. it they pulled it off. It's better now. You know, they, they did that yeah. again later. Well, back on the Enterprise, they're finally looking for that shuttle. And they set a course for the nearest moon. On that moon, Picard is muttering as Wesley is trying to figure things out with his tricorder. Uh, 
he says, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. Picard says, there's so much I wanted to tell you. And this is where he tells him, Jimmy, as you mentioned, about the man at Starfleet who will help Wesley, the groundskeeper. Uh, Picard says in this moment, as, as Wesley goes off to get the water, remember, I was always proud of you. I had some tears. And Wesley goes into the fountain, uh, fountain room. And now he shoots the fountain, <laughs> but this time it's different, y'all. Uh, because the energy beam shows up and he immediately faces off against it with his tricorder in the most sort of like, you know, nerd tascular uh, <laughs> moments that I, you know, it's just, it's pure science <laughs> in order to get the over. Uh, yeah, just pure science. I love it. Uh, the energy form goes through him, kind of exciting, and destroys the force field. So I don't know what this energy form was doing. If it just was looking for a worthy you know, adversary. If now maybe Wesley is also the king of England for somehow figuring this out. Like, I don't know <laughs> what the sort of trials and tribulations right. were for. What was special about that water? Right? Well... It's in the it desert. certainly keeps Picard alive. Yeah. And I love the way that um, that he feeds Picard the water with his hand. You know, oh. like, I don't know. It's just very sweet. <laughs> it is. I thought it was, it was amazing that he had a gigantic receptacle to scoop the water. And then nothing but his hands <laughs> to uh, <laughs> feed him the water. But it was touchy because it reminded me of People of the Forest. Uh, and there's a, a near the end, there's the mother and and son chimps. And the son chimp has always been sort of uh, uh, attached to the mom even long after he should have been. And when she dies, he's like feeding her water with his hands on the top of a tree and then she dies and then he dies from loneliness and it what really story. was like when he was feeding her uh it's yeah it's a the people of the forest a documentary about jane goodall's chimpanzee i'll be okay check it out i'll be okay just about the saddest thing i've ever heard let's go uh, cry. <laughs> legit <laughs> so beverly wakes wes up and he somehow missed all of the commotion of getting Picard onto that board, which I imagine was with some yelling and some <laughs> shouting of pain. Can I, can I, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to talk about the little geyser that he filled the, the thing with. If I had a big tray like that, I would not be able to avoid having like a Harpo Marx moment with that thing. Because that's hard to fill up when the water's just shooting straight up and falling back on itself. <laughs> like, you can't put it under it because that would block it. <clears throat> and you really can't tilt it in any useful way either. Like, that would have taken forever to fill up because of how they... It's just not the, the fountain you want unless you're going to stick your face in it or your butt in it. Then it's useful. <laughs> but to fill a receptacle, like a nope. It was just a giant bidet, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, for They're giants, drinking out for of giant it. giant people. Yeah. Wow. wow. I, now you've said that there should have been some, some slapstick here where like, yes. he's trying to fill it up with his hands first, and then by the time he gets back to Picard, like there's nothing left. Just a rich mosaic available back. to them, and they just said no. 
with they little yakety sax playing yes. in the background just to make it <laughs> always yeah then he's got to forge a bowl out of the uh, phaser. Yeah. <laughs> phaser forging. The, me, the melt <laughs> steel. The for, what, what's that setting, Jimmy? <laughs> a force field melting setting. There you go. Love it. It's always on the nose with the settings. You don't want to be confusing <laughs> when uh, labeling phaser settings. <laughs> well, as they've got Picard on the board, as they're moving him, he stops them. And again, just that beautiful one-two Captain Picard punch of you're in trouble. Oh, I'm just kidding. Because he <laughs> wants to know why Wesley's uniform is so messy. And this time, Wesley gets to come back at him with a you're not so ship-shape yourself, which is just a lovely little moment. Uh, Wesley, you will be missed, he says. Oh. And then instead of... Uh, Going to black, we watched them carry him. The this credits start, and we watched them carry him up those natural stairs and out of the cavern, which I thought was a really interesting ending. It's rare that we don't sort of fade to black on a on a trek episode. Line. And then Picard and Wesley are holding hands. Yeah. like that was that was the moment. The, the the visual information that I just loved about that was that he wasn't going to let his surrogate father go up up those stairs without knowing that someone was there with him. I thought yeah. that was very sweet. Yeah, for sure. And that's the end of our episode. Let's let's talk about our final feelings, our gather our thoughts on this episode. Jimmy, tell us what you think of this episode. Uh this episode is middling for me again. Uh I'm gonna give it uh six uh stupidly overprotected geysers. Um, uh, mainly because they never explain why this thing is so heavily protected, which I'm just curious uh, why. Uh, and as we all know, I've never been a big fan of uh, the character Wesley Crusher. So for the most part, I really didn't care that he was leaving. Although I do agree that uh, it does make a nice little turn there at the end. Um, and they do give him some good stuff to uh, say, even if... I don't know that it was said very well. Jimmy! Greg Tito. Um, I, for middling, a six is pretty high. See, I was gonna, I'm going to give it four and a half shots of Wesley's hair Whoa! going crazy all over uh, the thing. I think as, a, as an episode itself, it's not very good. It doesn't have the... Uh, the um, it just doesn't make sense to me. So many of those plot holes just kept popping up, and I was like, why are they doing all these things going on here? I will agree that the scene uh, with Picard and Wesley definitely brings it up a few notches uh, for me uh, to that mark. But overall, I thought it could have been... I think he could have had a much better send-off, and actually, as I was watching this, I was like, wait a second, is this is this the last of Wesley Crusher in Star Trek? I actually had a question mark. I was like, this seems really... You know, sad. If this is if this is it, I thought. Even though it said final mission, even though I, I didn't really kind of compute in my head that it was going to be uh, the last that we would see. So, uh, I, I for all of those reasons, I give it four and a half. Wow. I want to do over. <laughs> There's no longer? way Gray can give it a four and a half. That's only a half point better than Code of Honor. And I gave it a six and a half. I take it back. I give it a one. <laughs> we'll see if we can balance you out here, Jimmy. Eric, what do you give it? I give it a 10. 
<laughs> I'm actually You're not lying. I'm actually not lying, and I'll explain. I I think everything you've both said is true, but I absolutely loved the scenes between Wesley and Picard to the point where it's two of my favorite scenes in the series. I, as as you know, we we've talked about before. I, I'm a Star Trek fan because of my dad, and we lost my dad a couple years ago, and you know. We were lucky enough to know <clears throat> that it was likely that we were only going to have some time with him left. So it wasn't a, a sudden thing. But, you know, anyway, that doesn't matter. But the, these talks are so important. And there's something that so many people don't get to have with... And and we assume Wesley didn't get to have like he got some closure with that um, video, the, the hologram that, the hologram that yeah. he saw that was so bad but also effective. Like that, this is also what he would have said to his own father, and because we know that he lost his father suddenly and that he looked up to his father and all of these things, he didn't get that chance to have this talk with his dad to say everything that was important to him to say and he's saying it here because he thinks Picard might be dead you know uh, or soon to be dead and he won't let that chance pass again and I think that was certainly in the minds of the writers <clears throat> and I also <laughs> have not been a big fan of Wesley Crusher but the character and the actor really nailed this and again, I was so angry when Picard then did not die because the scene was so good that I felt it robbed it of some of its power when it then didn't lead to anything. I was feeling like, well, this is going to be awkward when they see each other in the hall. Uh, <clears throat> but then when Picard, A, when they, when they finished it, uh, the, the first scene with us knowing that he had heard, and then when they finished the last scene with not only that but the forcefulness with which it was said you will be missed it's not just that i was always proud of you but listen kid i love you like <clears throat> that's not appropriate for me to say but here in front of your family who is all surrounding them the camera made sure to show when he said it that you will be missed was so perfect <laughs> like just so perfect um, yeah. that yeah, I give it a ten. I I think it's really interesting. Oh to... shit! Okay, I'll give it an eight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am going to I'm gonna I'm gonna balance this out even more. Uh, I'm gonna give it oh gosh, I guess eight and a half maybe yeah eight and a half uh, arrows pointing towards a mountain range. <laughs> uh, so you have to pick which arrow you choose. Uh, I really, both my husband and I didn't remember this episode until basically they got to the cavern and that, that fountain. And then it immediately struck both of us, oh, this is that episode. Right. And to me, it is that episode. It's about what happens once they get to the cavern. Like, yes, there are uh, plot holes galore and there are lots of, you know, the only answer for some of our questions is, 
because reasons. That's the <laughs> answers that we get. Uh, but that second half of the show that takes place primarily after Durgo's death uh, just has stuck with me all of these years and uh, really hit me a lot harder this time than it did the first time, you know, as I'm beginning to age and my parents are beginning to age and, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it was definitely a a different experience. And so I'm going to give it eight and a half. That's where I am. Jimmy, you want to change your mind one more time? Are you good? (laughs) I will go to 7.5. There we go. There we go. Final answer. Can I say one more thing about when, when my dad passed, it suddenly became clear that kind of every story is about losing a parent. Like I could, mm-hmm. nothing was safe. Nothing was safe. And I'm convinced that it's several reasons. One is that, I mean, shit, that's one of the classic stories. That's, that's, that's it. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of five experiences in your life, uh, that everybody shares, uh, just when anyway, uh, but also, I think a lot of writers get success and the ability to choose what they write about for the first time in their 40s or 50s, and that's when they're losing parents. And, mm. you know, write what you know is drummed into us and drummed into us and drummed into us that I just think it is so prevalent. And what I loved so much about this is this was the first one that hit me in such a way that I just enjoyed it. Uh, so I've only just gotten to that point <clears throat> where a plot hole ridden thing can make me only kind of happy to watch, which is super neat. But uh, that's my pet theory is that it's on TV so much because everybody's first big shot at success is right around the time their parents die in this business. Yeah. Right. It's either it's either death or divorce. At this yep. point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, often yeah. both. And that's why the crisis happens. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us once again on this episode as we re-engaged. And we hope that you will join us again next week. And it is currently raining at my house, which means my pants are wet. You gotta close the window. You should close the window. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That was real good. Thank you so much for riding along with us on this episode of Re-Engage. Next week, we continue our mission with the next episode of the fourth season of Star Trek The Next Generation. Follow Re-Engage on Twitter at ReEngageTNG to get updates when episodes are published and some other stuff. You can also follow our various cultural bridge crew on social media. Kate Yeager is at Yeagerlicious. Eric Gratton is at Eric Falls Down. Greg Tito is at Greg Tito on Twitter and at Greg underscore Tito on Instagram. Jimmy G is at the Jimmy G on Instagram. Leon Cage is edited by Greg Tito and Jimmy G and sometimes Kate Yeager. Logo artwork by Mojo Jojo 97 on Twitter. The music is by Ryan Marth. Thank you so much for listening. Stand by now for the traveler to re-engage.